Hey, yo, 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 what's going on? This is your humble correspondent here, John Ross Marcus Cox, here back with you on the Way Too Much JMT podcast. It is great to be back with everybody. It is January 2nd, 2023. I cannot believe it is 2023. I'm going to be honest with y'all. It feels like yesterday I was mad at my mom and dad. My mom and his stepdad for making me leave leave the party in 1999 to go to go to the church because they were afraid that the world was going to end at the year 2000. It sounds like it feels like it was yesterday that that was going on and it is already 2023 and I got four little stinking kids. Uh, it's wild. Um, hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. Hope you had a Happy New Year. All, all that good stuff. So I, we certainly had a Merry Christmas here in the Cox household. I'll be honest with y'all. Our New Year's was pretty uh, pretty um, pedestrian. <clears throat> I joke with my Southern Baptist mommy. I'm always like, here you, here you were thinking I was going to be like a drunk when I was in college, and here I am. I'm, a, I'm asleep by like 10, 15 on New Year's Eve. Just praying my kids don't wake up. Watching some TV on my on my phone before I go to bed. So I'm, I'm, hey, I'm buck wild. I'm one of those rednecks, man. I'm crazy. So, yeah. Well, what are we going to talk about today? I've been thinking hard about how to start this year off. And I think I I think I know what I want to do. So we all know at the beginning of the year, the first Tuesday of the year here in the state of Kentucky, our legislator our state legislature gets back you know, gets back full swing. But I mean legislatures across the country are gonna be rocking and rolling. But there is no state in this great union that's more poised to do some meaningful stuff than we are here in God's country, the bluegrass state of Kentucky. Far too long now we've sat back and we have watched other states act quick, quicker and more swiftly in evolving their tax code and making their states more business friendly we watched florida actually absolutely rock out with it you know what out during covid and not doing all the stinking mandates and all all that stuff well i really think after this past election that we have elected some absolutely phenomenal phenomenal people to our state to both our state houses the Senate and the House of Representatives that are they have no interest in being career politicians. They are they they feel like they've been called by God to do it to do a job, and if that job ends in two years and they get beat, then it ends in two years and they get and they get beat and they go back to their regular job. <laughs> you know, I think they they honestly you know believe that, but I think more than anything this group that's been elected they're excited to actually have some real deal clock punching trench working average Kentuckians involved in the legislative process and aren't and aren't interested in now that they're elected kicking us to the curb and um, not letting us be involved in our in our, in our government. And 
I really do. I think I titled the show, what I titled, I titled today's show, the, the People's Lobbyists, Let's Go. Because, listen, I'm, I'm really starting to see myself, you know, that way. I feel like, I, I mean, I just, I mean, I, every day I'm in awe. Every day I'm humbled. Every day I am astonished with how uh, kind and open-minded and sincere and Oh, did I say it's like willing to listen? These you know, that so many of our state legislators are from leadership down to my country ass. Now I'm not sitting here trying to denigrate myself. I do. I am, listen. I am working hard. I'm not going to lie about it, and I ain't getting a dime. But that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Too often in this world, we only do stuff if it's going to be financially lucrative. Well, homie up here, don't play that. I mean, I've got to eventually figure out how to monetize something. But, you know, my, my old lady, she's down. She, she's, she's, she's like down with it and wants me to give this thing a run. And so it's like every day I'm on the phone for hours. I was literally on the phone for hours on Christmas Eve talking about certain legislation and strategizing and game planning and just trying to figure out who which which reps and which senders we need to bring into the into the fold and you know i'm just uh all i know to do is thank god because i certainly am not good enough to organize what all has been happening and all that good stuff so that's kind of where we're headed today we're going to talk about a specific piece of legislation that i'm talking about here in kentucky that i think is would be a pioneering piece of legislation you know, there's states, several states across this union that has done some of what we would be doing in this thing. But there is no state in this United States of America that has tackled these issues as head on and as matter of factly as we would be here in Kentucky if we can get this thing through. And we got, I really honestly, like, down to down to my core, believe that we had the support to get this thing through the legislature, but just like last year with our mass mandate and vaccine mandate in school bill, I mean the only reason the the main reason that, that that thing saw success and we eventually got it out of one chamber was solely because of you guys, solely because of the civilian army that was out there that was emailing and calling and willing to listen to long podcasts I was doing to giving you way too much information. Just because I don't feel like I don't own the information, I want you all to have it. Um, those emails and those calls and that just constant engagement—that's what drives stuff over the finish line. So, I promise you guys, I'm gonna be—I will be in the trenches every day for this stuff. As long as you guys, as long as I continue to feel like you know that I'm doing what you all as constituents across the state want done, and as long as I feel like I'm doing. You know, more, I'm not doing any harm, you know, and so I just appreciate you guys. So, yeah, we'll get to that here in a second. Now, just going back to the very beginning, house, you know, house cleaning items here. Obviously, if it's your first time listening, appreciate you. If it's your 31st time listening, really appreciate you. You can follow me on, on Twitter, on Truth Social, on Rumble, on YouTube. I was on Facebook. I'm kind of back on there. I don't know if I should be telling people that or not. Um, 
telegrams, all that. I'm working on all of them, right? But just click on the click on the link for the show or whatever, and I always have all the different ways you can connect with me on there. And then obviously I'm on all the podcast platforms, so Apple, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Amazon, all that good stuff. So yeah. So, all right, shifting gears a little bit here. I, I found this article on Substack. It's called The Leftist Personality. And some of this I just got to read because it is true, but it's also kind of funny. So, this is talk, obviously, obviously talking about the leftist personality, but it's going into left, leftism and physical biology. All right, it says, Countless studies have shown that physical characteristics closely align with political orientation. AI facial recognition can accurately predict a person's political alignment 72% of the time, outperforming chance 50% and human estimation 55%. Taller and more attractive people are more likely to identify as right-wing and more likely to actively support right-wing parties, policies, and politicians. In America, Australia, and Europe, right-wing politicians are more likely to be physically attractive than their left-wing counterparts. Get a drink. I was... I only smoked four four packs of palm oils a day. That's what I sound like. It goes on to say, men, are, men who are physically stronger are more likely to oppose wealth distribution and other forms of socio, socio-political egalitarianism. Even if they are poor themselves, in opposition to egalitarianism grows as men spend more time in the gym. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Similarly, men with more masculine facial features are more likely to support explicitly prejudiced ideas. <laughs> And men who are better fighters are more likely to support warfare and hold self-favoring non-leftist political beliefs. He goes on to say, in summary, leftists are shorter and uglier, and leftist men are weaker, less masculine, and less capable of fighting. <laughs> I, I, you know, this is obviously uh, <laughs> this is uh, not my opinion. Isn't based off any real data, but I've been saying this for like years. Me and my wife have always been making this joke. About us left people, left wing people are just—they're <laughs> usually just—they're just ugly. So it says uh, characteristics that are not conducive to su- these characteristics are not conducive to success in any human civilization. Amen to that. I'm scrolling down here a little bit. So this goes on to say, so talking about left and right wing moral foundations. So the moral foundations theory, originally coined by psychology professor Jonathan. Hot, I think it's hot or hate, and colleagues proposes that left and right wing people build their worldviews on five major moral foundations. Leftists are disproportionately high in the individualizing traits of harm avoidance and fairness. So basically, they're just they're scaredy cats. But disproportionately low in the group oriented traits of in group loyalty, respect for authority, and purity sanctity. In contrast, right-wingers express all five traits equally. And Jonathan Haidt isn't a right-winger by any stretch of the imagination. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty, uh, that's not funny, it's just interesting, and it's true. So, conclusion, I was going to say, conclusion, this is a profile of the average leftist. And I'm, I'm not making any, I'm not like, I'm not trying to in, in, interject my own personal anecdotal experience here. I just want, I'm just reading it to you because I thought this was, a, this was a funny paper and I'll put, a sh- I'll put a link to it in the show. Notes at the bottom. So, 
since th these will not apply to every left-wing individual, but it can serve as a general framework for understanding and dealing with leftists. So generally speaking, leftists believe that life is fundamentally unfair, likely due to their undesirable physical traits, shortness, ugliness, weakness. <laughs> That's so funny. This causes neuroticism and leads to self-obsession and spiteful envy. And that first one's so so true. I mean, my my old lady and I we talk this all the time about how like you can just you can watch it happen in real in real time. Always, you, if you know somebody's like a conservative and they're walking into like some hipster place, and you can I can see the dude, he'll be all bearded up and much more swollen up to me. But you can watch him alpha, the like the the Libby guys in the room. It is hilarious. They lose all concern for group interest and focus exclusively on exclusively on advancing their own standing in society. As they cannot get ahead in fair competition, they resort to underhanded, manipulative, and psychopathic strategies. This manifests as behaviors like victimhood, virtue signaling, gaslighting, other forms of coercion, and emotional abuse. To disguise their nefarious and self-serving aims, they proclaim a universal love for humanity, nature, or the even entire material universe. And there actually was a part in this in this study that talks about how they literally rank like the soil as like more important than their own like flesh and blood. They collaborate with other outcasts and potentially dangerous outgroups to exact vengeance on their perceived oppressors, by which they mean normal people. <laughs> However, they will happily betray I'll use, I'll use air quotes or cancel their friends and allies who they value as little as inert objects like rocks for social gains. Key takeaway is this. When it comes to leftists, we're not dealing with honest people who want what is best for society but are tragically mistaken about how this can be achieved. Such individuals certainly exist on the left, but the average leftist... So what it's saying is all you reasonable Republicans, okay? So all you centrist people think you're moderate. We don't live in a, in a world right now where you can be like that. All right? Like, you might as well be... Liz Cheney, you know that's what that's what we're dealing with with Mitch McConnell right now. When it comes to leftists, we're not. It says we're not dealing with honest people who want what is best for society, but are just tragically mistaken about how this can be achieved. No. Even though maybe those, those, certainly those people exist, but to the contrary, the average leftist is spiteful, malicious, and vindictive. They cannot be reasoned with or rationally convinced of their mistakes because they are driven by deep-rooted biological and psychological issues that in many cases cannot be resolved. Use extreme caution when dealing with them. They would think nothing of using the system to destroy your life. And that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. All right, and now I'm going to read you an article that will... You know, kind of, it's going to, it's, you know, it's obviously it's anecdotal. It's one, ar it's one article and one example, but it backs it up. Okay, so I'm going to see if I can show you my screen here. Hold on. There we go. All right. So, this was on December 15, 2022. <coughs> so, title says, Oklahoma Transgender Student. This was from Breitbart. I know, that's a right wing, it's, it is a right wing <laughs> Uh, site, but this isn't an opinion article. It's literally just reporting the facts. 
<clears throat> a transgender student in Oklahoma has been charged for allegedly savagely attacking two female students in the school bathroom. The two female students were allegedly assaulted by the transgender identifying male student in the girls' restroom at Edmond Memorial High School, Edmond, Oklahoma. According to Redux, which obtained a police report detailing the incident, the two female students were left with injuries after a fight initiated by the male. That would be transgender, a transgender female, so they're, but they're biologically male. According to the report, the male entered the restroom and tried to talk to a group of females who ignored him. He then came at them with fists, asking if they wanted to fight, according to one of the victims. One of the female students suffered injuries to the face and head, including both eyes beginning to swell, according to the responding officer. She told the officer that she was not strong enough to fight back, and the male student forced her to the ground and began kicking her in the face and punching her. During the altercation, some of the students in the restroom were trying to get the male to stop the assault, with one student intervening. This student was also punched in the face by the male, suffering a possible concussion. And for those of y'all that are watching you can read my notes there it says literally one dude could probably take it by 10 chicks all right so like nine theoretically nine other women could be trying to stop me from like just welling into someone else and they they may or may not be successful scoring how pissed off i am <clears throat> one student said they tried to stop the fight because they were worried their friend's life was at risk because the alleged attacker is a man now, I'm skipping a line here. This is this is what I'm talking about. It says the police report indicates that the that the male student was enrolled as a female, and that his birth certificate has no gender identification. The police report also used feminine pronouns when referring to the male male student. The alleged perpetrator has been charged with assault, battery, and disorderly conduct. Says Oklahoma passed a law earlier this year requiring that all public schools have single-sex restrooms and other facilities, and that students and staff must use these facilities in, in, a court, in accordance to their actual biological sex. Okay, here's my point: the people that want to tell you you're a bad person because you want to protect girls, women, little girls. While they're in the bathroom at school, they're just not good people. They're not misguided. Okay, they're not. They're they're un, they're not savable. They legitimately think you are this like the scum of the earth. But this article also shows us a couple other things. We can't just think of this as like okay, well we got to make bathrooms single sex this right here really gets to the root of the problem and it's i'm hoping that one legislator in here in kentucky is listening to me right now because when we when people sit out here and say well we don't i'm not aware that there's a prop there's any problems with it like this in kentucky or whatever yada yada state when you have a police report let's say you were to get a let's say that someone gave you a thousand these these hundred incidents were trans were transgender assaults in bathrooms if you if you're then someone and you read the police report and in it it says that a female beat up two other females in the bathroom and they and that was supported by the fact they were using only feminine feminine pronouns and their birth certificate had no gender identification 
you would think there's not a problem because even our like reporting documentation isn't telling the truth. So we got to do more than just saying our bathrooms are male and female. And by God, we're going to do that. Okay? So, I'm going to try to bring it home here. So the bill that I have been working on, I mean, I put so much time in this thing, and like, I'm not going to act like I'm some, some like, great writer or anything. I'm a, I'm a history my degree's in history, so I'm not real good at being brevity is not a not a strong suit of mine. Luckily I have a couple I have a team of people I've been working with, all civilians, none of them getting paid. Um, have been helping me with this thing. I'm not gonna say their names because they would just prefer I take all the credit. <laughs> that's it's the kind of people they are. But I've been working hand in hand with several legislators and like you know, I think that's why they're okay with me taking the credit because like they have no interest in trying to juggle all those relationships and like they know I like that. So, um, but so the so the bill I have been working on over the last several months has been a it's been a parental rights a parents bill of rights. I've actually titled it the 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 parental rights and childhood preservation act. I believe is what I what the title of it ended up being because it's not just about parents having rights. It's also about like, listen, we are absolutely destroying our children's childhoods. Like what the little bit that they get in today's world, because they're exposed to things so, you know, so young and so like frequently and just like desensitized to, to everything. All right. And, but like this thing is the real deal. It's very detailed out. Okay. It, it, touches on many many a topic and I'm going to be honest I'm totally op- I'm totally totally understandable when someone comes to me and says there's no way you can get that passed it's totally understandable but let's say whatever God has he has inserted himself into this scenario and I'm not a lot of the stuff I'm like I swear I really believe that it's like every time I pick up the phone to call a, call a senator or call a house rep or something, I'm I'm acutely aware of the fact that what is happening isn't me. Like they always answer, and I always have the right thing to say, and I'm not that good. So when people tell me it's not going to pass, I just, I'm like, or that it can't pass, I just kind of brush it off, and I'm like, listen, I'm not asking you. I'm not asking you to go and lobby for this bill and try and for you to try to get it to pass. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for you to have an open mind and to allow me to explain to you how it all fits together and how all the stakeholders have been consulted and how everyone has agreed to put their ego to the side and say, I don't care if my name's the numero uno on, on the on the on the uh legislative screen. I just want to be a, I want to be associated with it because I think it'll do good. And it has been like so humbling to see these to see all these people that actually have the ability, you know, and like all the authority and power to be able to just like tell me to shut up and get out of the way because they want they want all they want all the glory and all the spotlight. And they're all like, "Listen, brother, like 
do it. We're I, we're on the team. We're on the train. So it's been it's been beautiful, beautiful to watch. And so, but we all know what's going to be the, what they're going to be saying from the left. It's going to be that we're all we're hateful and we hate teachers and we hate you know we're homophobes and we're transphobes and don't like don't like kids and yada, all that stuff. Here's the deal. I'm not listening to that noise because I know where my heart's at and I know where the spirit of this thing's coming from. And I, we have consulted numerous people to make sure that there's not going to be any kind of like ex, 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 external forces at work that makes this thing go a direction that we wouldn't want it to go. It is focused on parents and it's focused on children. These kids are kids, okay? I, I don't care if you're a gay kid or a straight kid or a blue kid or a pink kid. I don't. You're a child, and I'm interested in preserving your childhood for you, and making sure that your parents are always involved in that in the process of your education and your your life and a few other things that we'll get to in a minute. But let's start with this. This bill is not. Is this bill is not meant as an attack on teachers. <laughs> sure, we're trying to make a point to the bad apples that from this point on, they're in the wrong profession and their nonsense will no longer be tolerated. We are saying that. My mommy's a teacher. I ain't talking to her. I know of at least three other people that have been involved in this writing this bill with me that their spouses are teachers. We ain't talking about them. Okay, but we are talking about those teachers that, that sat there and spoke right to me and said if a 13-year-old girl told me she was pregnant and it was, and that baby wasn't conceived through criminal activity, so statutory rape, we wouldn't tell their parents because it wouldn't be our place. It is meant for those parents or for those teachers. Okay. On the flip side of that, this is this bill is meant for the teachers that wish that they could go to the parents without putting their pension on the line and their career on the line and the and like wouldn't have to risk the wrath of the like the demon known as the Department of Education coming at them guns a-blazing because the policies and practices and procedures they put into place tell them you are not allowed to bring the, bring the parent into this situation. So it's meant as a, to prove a point to the bad apples, and it's, all, it's meant to aid the 99% of teachers that don't want, to, don't want that, this business going on. And yes, that is the majority of teachers. Just like with the, when I was doing the mask and vaccine bill and all that, teachers didn't want to be the mask police. But when your superior officer, when your non-commissioned officer in the trenches and your your captain and your sergeant and your general, whatever, are all saying you have to make sure they're wearing masks, what are you going to do? You didn't sign up to be a three-star general. You So you make them put masks on. So my the mask bells writing wasn't ain't teacher either. 
Okay, so most of this bill is really meant to protect the 99% of teachers that don't agree with the left-wing ideology and propaganda that has infiltrated our education system. Right now, they can't do what they know is right because the policies, practices, procedures being implemented by their superintendents, their principals, their school boards specifically tell them they cannot. And if they do, they risk their careers and pensions. So, this is a parental rights bill, but it's also a pro-teacher bill. Specifically a pro-Kentucky teacher bill. Because here's, a, here's another newsflash for you. Kentucky teachers ain't California teachers. The most liberal thing my mommy's ever done is watch Young the Restless. Bold and Beautiful. She was so lib, she wouldn't even watch Guiding Light. It was too conservative for her. My mom says she's never said a cuss word, and I believe her. That's that's Kentucky teachers. We all love them. But again, there are bad apples, so and that's why we're having to do this. But our good apples, they don't see parents as the enemy. They don't want to keep your kids' preferred pronouns from you. They don't believe that traditional and Christian values are ruined in this country. They're not political activists. They don't want your kids being exposed to drag queen story time. They are our mothers, our sisters, our uncles. They're our Sunday school teachers, our deacons, our veterans. They're married to our cops, our coal miners. They legitimately care about our kids as individuals and want to see them excel individually. Here in Kentucky, our teachers don't evaluate each child they teach based on the number of checks that they check off on, their, on an intersectionality chart. They want to teach them to read. They want to teach them to write, to add and subtract. They want to teach them that they live in the greatest country to ever exist on planet Earth. I wholeheartedly believe that. So teachers, I implore you. If I'm right, you need to support the bill that we're going to be discussing over these next several podcasts. And luckily for you, you don't have to do this in a very outspoken way. I don't need you to be on, put it on blast on Facebook. I'm not needing you to make calls around your community. I need you to be putting constant pressure on the legislators of this state. All of them. Bombarding them with emails and calls. And like, I will tell you exactly what to do. I know most of y'all don't know what to do. And this time last year, hell, I didn't know what to do. But I do now. So when the left, the teachers' unions, the KEA, the Jefferson County Teachers Association, when they start trying to pit the teachers versus the parents, we have to tell them to shut their damn mouths. And yes, the curse word was necessary. We got to tell them it ain't going to work no more. We're done with it here. 
Take that stuff across the border. Go to Indiana with that crap. Go to Kansas. Go to wherever. I don't care. Michigan. Go somewhere else but here. When they start screaming that we're anti-LGBTQ and we're racist and we're bigots, just laugh at them and go about your day. Because it's nonsense. They're the ones sexualizing children that want children exposed to drag queens. And yes, it's happening in Kentucky. If you listen to my last podcast, the Courier-Journal admitted that the largest drag queen story time chapter in the United States of America is here in Kentucky. And on the front page of that paper, they admitted that children as young as three and four years old are frequently at their events. Here in Kentucky, we don't put up with sexualizing children like that. Where I come from, we we self police this kind of this kind of this kind of business. It's nonsense. All right, we don't we don't play we don't mess around with child molesters. You might end up dis- disappeared in somewhere deep in, in Tackett Creek, or uh, might find yourself under a high wall or something like that up in Hignot Holler. <laughs> not saying I'm gonna do that because I listen. I'm all, I sound really redneck and crazy, but I'm really pretty, pretty soft. I ain't gonna lie, I can't fight. We certainly never, never let, we never let the chumos forget that we know. When they try to say we're waging a war on books, tell them if making books available means leaving books with pictures of minors giving blowjobs to adults in, li- in public school libraries, then hell yeah. I guess we are waging a war on books. I guess we are. If they say we're taking society backwards by waging a war on pornography, being being exposed to little children, well, they got me. They got the tater. You ever listen to that? I know y'all, I know y'all everybody, if you're listening to this show, you probably like some, uh, what's that, blue-collar comedy tour. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about? So, in short, if this bill leads to less porn, well, I guess we'll chalk it up as a win. You know, but here's the deal. The, the only, like, this article in the Courier-Journal, they talk about how there's more violence at being being pointed at the, the LGBT community. I'm, I've never been done anything violent in my life. I've been in like three fights and I got my ass whipped all three times. What was Thomas's name? Tom, was it Thomas Nelson, something like that? Me and him was fighting over a girl in, in fifth grade, and he told me to meet him out front, so I met him out there. And I will never forget the whooping I took. Like, Jesus gave it to me for a reason, because I have remembered it my whole life. And there's been times where I've, like, started to try to, like, step to somebody, and I've been like, wait a minute. Oh, his name was Thomas Hensley. So, Thomas Hensley, if you're listening, just know I'll remember. Okay? I haven't forgotten When they say we're being hateful to the most vulnerable, 
by not letting a sixth grade boy who says he's a girl use the same bathroom as my as my first grade seven year old daughter. Because guess what? If you go to Pineville Elementary, you're K through twelve in the same building, bro. If you're in a lot of these rural places, you got one school. When they say that they aren't aware of this ever being a problem here. Just send them just send them some articles about Loudoun County and the dad and that super and that, and that school board meeting. Just seeing the pain. He could it was like he could feel his daughter's pain in his own body. He just couldn't as men, I don't think we could handle it. I can't. I don't even want to think about what it'd be like to be a victim of a sex crime as a if I was a female. I just. I mean, it makes me. I'd rather. I'd rather die. But you can also point them in the direction of the article I just talked about. Maybe you think it ain't a problem, because the daggone police report isn't even telling you the true nature of the crime that took place. And am I supposed to wait until my daughter is sexually assaulted or until your daughter is raped at school before we do something? Is that the society we live in now? We're never ahead of the game? That we wait for bad stuff to happen before we... You know, we're not talking about individuals. Individuals are innocent before... They're innocent until proven guilty. They have a constitutional right here in this, in this country. But because of that, we have to try to... We have to try to, like, build our society in a way to where we prov- we're we not just welcoming all that activity and saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll prosecute you after, after the fact. I'm not libertarian like that. So absolutely not. We're not supposed to wait till then. But really, I want you to tell them this. Tell them, listen up, homeboy. This is Kentucky. This is Kentucky. And I don't care if you are in the live if you're living in the West End of Louisville, or if you're living in Southeastern Coal Country, Southeastern Coal Country. We're we are not California or New York. We're not even Austin, Texas. All right. Us mountain, you know, me specifically, my people, us mountain people, we ain't have any more of it. If it means my redneck butt has to like man up and figure out how to write some some legislation to actually put it all together and then go down there and use my country boy swagger about me to like get some people to talk to one another that actually are important people, because the Lord knows I ain't, then I'll do it. This is the state that sent more soldiers per capita to fight in World War II than any other state in this union. This is. Kentucky is. Time to show them what we're talking about. All right, so on this, on this bill, I'm going to talk about a couple sections real quick. We'll try to keep all these like an hour, but heck, it might take me three or four episodes to get through this bill. 
All right, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you two other things. I'm going to show you what this bill isn't, what kind of language it isn't going to have in it. All right, so we're going over to Florida's bill that just passed. Okay. It's a, you know, the, what their parents' rights bill or whatever. So in here it says requiring school districts to notify parents of health care services and provide parents the opportunity to decline such services. We don't we have no opt out language in there in this bill. None. We gotta change the culture around how we can how informed consent is defined around children. And right now the school systems they weasel their way into not telling you the full truth. They bury stuff and they give you all the, and like if you don't send back an opt out form, they assumed you opted in. So heck, they could lose an opt. They could lose a form. Here's another one. This uh, paragraph does not prohibit a school district from adopting procedures that permit school personnel to withhold such information from a parent if a reasonably prudent person would believe that disclosure would result in abuse, abandonment, or neglect, as those terms are defined in 39.01. But nothing in this bill says if they think that, they have to go to the authorities. You just got to tell the parents, we're going to go to the authorities. You got me? And it, uh, we also don't have any, or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students in accordance with state standards. Who determines, who determines what's age-appropriate and what's developmentally appropriate? Right now, the left determines all of that. The Board, the board, the board of Education, state and federal, School boards. Now we're taking over some school boards here around in different parts of the of the state. School boards, though, teachers unions. We're talking left wing establishment strongholds. We don't want to leave anything up to interpretation to them. Same thing back up when this one talks about reasonably prudent people. They've been planting this word harm everywhere. Okay. They want. They're trying to. They're, they're trying to plant seeds so that they can say, "Okay, well, Oldham County, you're going to lose your lunch month, your lunch funding, if you're discriminating and making it same-sex bathrooms because you're harming children by not affirming them." Well, if a school system's harming a child for not affirming a child, how are parents not also harming that child for not affirming them? You see what I'm saying? The next step. Is to say, oh, parents, you're harming them. We're taking them away from you. It's happening in in Cal. It's 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 in this country already. So that's Florida's Florida's bill. That was supposed to have been really good, and it did some good things. But then they always they're so afraid that somebody's gonna get mad at them. But they always throw something in there that kind of renders it obsolete. So this is Pennsylvania had a pretty had a decent bill. Comes when it comes to withholding information may not prohibit a school entity from adopting procedures that permit school personnel to withhold this information from a parent or legal guardian if a reasonably prudent person would believe based on the documented testimony of the student of the student or a history of documented incidents that disclosure would result in child abuse or the child being abandoned. It doesn't say on the documented testimony of the student and 
a history of documented incidents. So it straight up says, you can't, you can't have procedures put in place that would not notify the parent or disclose certain things to the parent. Okay, you can't do that unless the eight-year-old tells you that mommy might kill me. Daddy's going to be so mad he's going to whoop me. They just won't, mommy, daddy won't listen to me. They're not going to, they're not open-minded people. Are we really to that point to where we are like, were you never a teenager? Were you never a nine-year-old? I thought my stepdad was going to literally wear me out to where I couldn't sit down with a belt. And he never did that. I don't even know why I was scared he was going to do that. Because guess what? He loved me. I wasn't even his blood, but he loved me. Who, who'd, have, who'd have thunk it? He actually had my best interest at heart. Now again, if you're a teacher and you think, or you're a school, per, you're a school personnel and you, and you legitimately think this child's in an abusive situation, yeah, you shouldn't, I wouldn't go tell, you shouldn't tell his parents. However, you don't get to hold that in here. You gotta, you gotta, there's a chain of command. You gotta go to the authorities and tell them that. Otherwise, it's just you getting all in your feels and feeling good and like you're just like, oh, I'm just, I'm so caring of this child and I'm so open-minded and just trying to make yourself feel good. When really what you're doing is you're setting that child up for failure because now the people that care about them more than anyone else on this planet, 99% of the time, is not going to know that their child's in a bad place because you wanted to feel good about your damn self. I don't care how you feel. All parental rights are reserved to a custodial parent or legal guardian of a minor child in this state without obstruction or interference from the state or any of its political subdivisions, agencies, or any other governmental entity or institution. Political subdivisions are city and county governments. The interest and role of parents in the care, custody, and control of their children are implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. You can go look up a uh, little Cicero there. A little Cicero reference for you. That one ain't me, though. I don't think. I think it came... Did I put that in there? I don't think so. I think it was already. I think it passed last session. About another ally senator of ours. Implicit in the concept of order, liberty, deeply rooted in our nation's history and tradition, and among the unalienable rights retained by the people under the Ninth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. The interests of parents include the high duty and right to nurture and direct their children's destiny, including their upbringing and education. Also, this was yours truly's edition here. All right. The interest of parents includes the high duty and right to nurture and direct their children's mental, emotional, and physical health care. And their moral and religious development. That's not that's not the school system's job. It's not the it's not the school's job to make make kids Christians. It ain't their job to indoctrinate them and make them 
trans activists. Okay? So, or like political activists, not teaching to read and write. Especially in this state. About 30% of our kids can read. Because we basically teach our kids here to remember words instead of teaching phonics. Because, you know, phonemes and stuff, they don't, those don't matter. They can just wear a mask all day. What? A, a five-year-old doesn't need to see your mouth to learn how to read. That's what these idiots were telling us for the last two years. No, I shouldn't have said idiots. That was a tough word. Again, teachers don't determine how what how they're teaching. They used to. I know a lot of us, a lot of you old-timers, y'all think, y'all think when we say something like that that we're talking about teachers. But we don't live in that world anymore where teachers kind of control their curriculum and how they teach and all that. And it is literally dictated to them how they teach and what they teach and when they teach it. So even if a teacher wanted to use structured literacy, the science of reading, they can't without shutting their door and hoping the, super, hoping the principal or the superintendent doesn't bust in. Commonwealth has independent authority to protect its parents' fundamental right to nurture and direct their children's destiny, upbringing, education, mental, emotional, and physical health care, and their moral and religious development. Now, that's not saying the Commonwealth has the authority to determine children's destiny, upbringing, education. It says the Commonwealth has independent authority to protect the parents' fundamental right to do those things. Same way with the masking bill. That's exactly what we were trying to say last season, last session. And we there was certain senators and resumes couldn't get couldn't get this through to them. We're not trying to say that this, the government should be telling people you can't make your kids wear a mask. He was saying, as a government, you have a responsibility to protect the rights of parents to make those decisions for their children. The protections and rights recognized in this act are rooted in the, in the due process of law guaranteed pursuant to the Constitution of the United States. Governmental efforts that restrict or interfere with these fundamental rights are only permitted if that restriction or interference satisfies the judicial standard of strict scrutiny. And nothing in the section or any other section of this act shall be construed or is altering the established presumption in favor of the constitutionality of statutes and regulations. Now, some of y'all might say, well, I don't think they should be able to interfere with fundamental rights. Period. The ships themselves. Judicial strict scrutiny. Okay. Which basically means well, I got it defined in here. That's why I got so it means for them to interfere with one of those fundamental rights, it had that that interference would have to be essential to further a compelling governmental interest. It don't have to be the least restrictive means available for the furthering of that compelling governmental interest. I'm not creating strict scrutiny. Okay, that's already established. And like, we're talking about a colossal undertaking if we're trying to throw that out because that's something that's, I don't even know how it's been around. Predates us. Anybody listen to this? So we're literally putting the strictest the most strict definition possible in the law, okay, in judicial precedent, the strictest means possible to keep the government from interfering in, your, in our parental fundamental rights. 
we're gonna go through this 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 next section. This be, so that was section one. It's gonna be section two of this act. And this act, act, most of these sections passed the last couple of sessions in the Senate. SB 40, it's sponsored by Steve West. Okay. We just added some, we added some juicy stuff to it. I ain't gonna lie. But it hadn't really passed. But it was, this, this was, this was strategic because Steve, Steve is an ally. He does, he is a true believer. He's in it to win it. Wants to deal, wants to do with employer max, vaccine mandates, all that. Okay. But again, like, when good when good minds come together, and then I come around and great minds start coming together, right? Good things can happen. Let's define some things. One thing that's weird in law that's in, in, in legislation is in each act or in each bill that's filed, you may see different definitions for the same words. Okay, so it's very important. That you pay attention to the definitions used in, the, in these in these first, they're it's usually like they usually try to put them at the very beginning of a bill. It's important you pay attention to those because if the legislator or the law or the group that that wrote it, or in this instance, if you know, like the guy with long hair and a beard is writing something, it's important you pay attention to these definitions to make because this is this is really the meat of it. So this bill, a parent means any biological mother or father, adopted mother or father, or established legal guardian having custodial rights over a child. Some of y'all may not like that because you're like, well, just because you don't have custody, you should still have constitutional rights. I'm not saying I disagree with that. I'm just saying that I, it's impossible to tackle this and then also try to go in and start tackling custodial arrangements. We can tackle that in addition to it, but it's got to come in a different bill. As used in this act, minor means any person who has not reached the age of 18. Any person who's not reached the age of 18. As defined by KRS 387.010. Here's a big one. Biological sex means the physical condition of being male or female as determined by a person's unambiguous internal and external genitalia or, if necessary, sex chromosomes at birth. And here's the big one. Here's the big one. It's very important. And formally recognized on the individual's original birth certificate. Get it changed 57,000 times. As far as this bill is concerned, the state of Kentucky is going to have to always keep a copy of your original birth certificate because that is how this is defined in this. School means an elementary or secondary educational institution under the control of a local board of education or local school district. This would not pertain to private schools. It would not pertain to homeschools, co-ops, any of that, any of that stuff. My kids are homeschooled and go to co-ops. Some people may say, well, I don't think, they, I think that they shouldn't be able to match your kids whenever they're in private school. If you're going to pay somebody $10,000 a year and they're making a decision to mask your kid and you are too stupid to pull your kid out and you keep giving them $10,000, well, brother, you reap what you sow. You deserve that. We're talking about public educational settings. A parent who has legal custody of any minor child or children shall have the fundamental right to make, the, make decisions concerning their care, custody, and control. Included among these rights are those contained in the following sections of this act. 
A parent who has legal custody of any minor child or children shall have the fundamental right and duty to make decisions concerning their education, including the right to cause the child to be educated in any manner pursuant authorized pursuant to KRS 159.010 and in accordance with the laws and constitution of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Included among these rights are those contained in the following sections of this act. The Commonwealth of Kentucky or any political subdivision shall not violate a parent's fundamental right established by this act. Any restriction or interference with these rights, whether now existing or hereafter, should not be upheld unless it is demonstrated by clear and convincing evidence that the restriction or interference is both essential to further a compelling governmental interest and the least restrictive means available for the furthering of that compelling governmental interest. So that's another point I want to make. This is why it's important to know who you're voting for when you're voting for judges. You can't vote for judges because you like them. Where all they're all they're sweet, their husband they they teach Sunday school. That's a that's old that's old cousin Angie. That's her that's her husband running for running for, run for judge. They're, they're good people, man. They're he's a deacon. I don't know. You got to know who they are. You got to know who they are. You got to know they're constitutionally conservative. All right. And this is why I wholeheartedly believe. That judicial races should be partisan, and school board races should be partisan. We should, you should know who these people are, because they hide this information from you. If, if it's a nonpartisan race, they try to keep as much information from you as possible and just make it about relationships. And here's the deal with politics: I don't care if I like you. I care if you do the right thing. I got friends. I got four kids. I don't have time for any more friend friend relationships. I'm not interested. Now, if we become friends through a professional relationship and a mutually beneficial relationship, so be it. But even then, I don't expect you to invite me to Sunday dinner. You got to know who you're voting for. So if you don't like it, that that part, I said I can't do anything about it. It's as strict as we could be. You can't be voting for people that end up being liberals. Principles expressed in this section apply to any interference, whether now existing or hereafter enacted. Nothing in this act shall apply to the provisions of CARES Chapter 402 relating to child marriage or permit a parent to abuse or neglect the child. When a parent's fundamental rights protected by this act are violated, and this is what we're going to start getting this, and this bill's different. It's built different. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I really feel like this, this thing's like. I may never do anything this good ever again. I didn't do it all by myself. I ain't trying to take all the credit. I ain't, I'm not that narcissistic. But it's good. Okay. It has teeth. When a parent's fundamental rights protected by this act are violated, a parent may assert that violation as a claim or defense in a judicial proceeding and may obtain appropriate relief against the government entity after exhausting the complaint process put in place pursuant to Section 3 without satisfactory resolution. If a parent prevails in a civil action against the state or a political subdivision thereof, as provided in Subsection 7 of this section, the parent is entitled to reasonable attorney's fees and costs. And here's the big end. They're really going to hate this, but I don't care. I don't care. They have, they've, already, they've already exhausted all the like benefits of the doubt that I, we could give them. We can't give it to them anymore. If a parent brings an unsuccessful civil litigation against the state or political subdivision thereof, 
The parent shall not be required to pay any associated attorney's fees and or costs incurred by the Commonwealth or its political subdivisions. Because guess what? They get a blank check, people. And this is Kentucky. We have very few millionaires. I don't know if we have a daggone billionaire in the whole state. Parents can't be afraid to bring civil actions against the state and the part of education and all that because they know that they're going to run up hundreds of thousands of dollars of attorney bills because they have a blank check. And if they were to get an activist judge that throws it out and says it was, you know, like, it should already be proven that it wasn't frivolous because it shouldn't even got to that point if it was frivolous. It should have been thrown out before it got to court. But we can't be worried about activist judges saying, oh, hey, Hillbilly Ricky, you're just a, you're just a transphobe. And you got to pay all the attorney's fees of the, of the city, coming at equal to two hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. There ain't a there ain't a redneck in this state that's got that kind of money. They'd be ruined. They'd be ruined. 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 What? How do we? Ruined. We just say ruined. Whatever. They'd be ruined. We're going to one more section. Then we gotta be done. Section three. This is the section that basically states school boards have to put in have to put in policies and procedures to put this act into place. This school board acting as a board shall exercise all powers and perform all duties necessary to adopt procedures for notifying a parent of each student in the school district at the beginning of each school year. Notifying notifying a parent of each student in the school district. At the beginning of the school year and in the event of any new student enrollment of his or her rights as contained in this chapter with respect to his or her minor child. And assuring that, as specified in this chapter, no restricted information is created, collected, stored, or shared, nor restricted activity allowed concerning a child without obtaining the required prior written authorization from his or her parent. Opt in. No opting out. Only opting in. You don't have a permission slip. You ain't got permission. So you better, you better get some good filing systems in there. You better get you some good tabs and and get a real clear fine point sharpie to write on there so you know where to where to find them bad boys. Because if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. Providing prompt notifications when a duty of notification or affirmative disclosure, which means without solicitation, request, or inquiry from a parent of any child exists, as specified in this chapter. And providing access and review upon written request to a parent of each student in the district of any requested information detailed in this chapter concerning their child, their child's educational environment, in a timely manner. Un, in a timely manner. Mo, most states would say in a timely manner, period. We said in a timely manner, understood to be within five business days. That's timely. And allowing for a parent to notify the school president or principal or his or her designee regarding concerns under this act at his or her student's school and the process for resolving those concerns within five business days after notification by the parent. At a minimum, the procedures must require that within 30 business days after notification by the parent that the concern remains unresolved. The school district must either resolve the concern or provide a written statement of the reasons for not resolving the concern. And right there, well, in there, because, again, we've set the stage. Parents have a right to know. They have a right to opt into everything and not require opting outs. Okay? 
they have a right to having a specific process in place in order to bring civil litigation if they think that they're being their rights are being violated. They have a right to know they can do so without worry of financial ruin because the state has a blank check and they have $700 in their checking account, which would honestly be a high number in this country. And it's just true. I'm not talking trash about them because I'm one of them. Told y'all before, mommy's a teacher, daddy's a coal miner. My biological father was a pillhead dive drug overdose. Lord, Lord love him. Hopefully I'm making him proud. People can't be worried about that kind of stuff. That's where accountability comes from. Okay, and they also have a right, again, have a right to know that how long this process is going to take. And if they if the people are going to side against them, this is a this is a huge problem when it comes to any of this stuff. Their problem never gets addressed, and it's just told that the, the matter is closed and that the, the school or whatever just dismissed their claim. And then when you try to bring suit or civil litigation against the, that school system or your employer or whatever, they just say, well, what are they talking about? We didn't, we didn't uh, throw out the claim for those reasons. And when they say, well, what are those reasons? Well, there were several. I don't really remember. We've already deleted our email servers. I can't remember. Why'd you fire why'd you fire Ricky Bobby from the manufacturing plant? I can't remember. We have a right to know. Doesn't mean that there's a wrong answer. You just have to put it on paper so that we can so that it can be litigated. Because you don't get to be the judge and jury. You don't get to be both. And right now that's what's happening. And so many as you know, facets of life. Said you get fired from a job, you literally don't know why. Might have been because your employer was going broke and you're just a casualty. Well, your next employer doesn't see it that way because they're not in bad financial straits. They're hiring. They got money to, to to blow. So they think you were a bad you were a bad employee. What would be so wrong about an employer having to say, hey, listen, I fire, listen, I fire people because I didn't have the money to pay them. I knew I had to give them, the, I had the money to give them a paycheck right then, but I didn't have, I, I knew it wasn't going to be there the next, next paycheck. And I'd tell them that. And then I'd fire them another job. Didn't mean that I didn't have a right to fire them. I did. I didn't have the money to pay them anyways. But at least they get a little. They had a little more dignity, and they get to go to their next employer and say, "I got fired, but it was I wasn't because of me." Okay. They should have to tell parents why they think they didn't violate their rights. So then it's point blank. So they have to think about it. All right. So that, like, listen, that sets that's setting the tone right there. So it's the first three sections of this thing. Right, I said it's a lot. It is a long bill, but it, all the, all the pieces matter. They all work together. It's, 
it's all extremely important language. Every single section could be followed by itself. All right. But I've went around and I've got, I know the support is there for every piece, every single piece of it. It's been strategically put in. So I just set the tone for you. Tomorrow I will be in Frankfurt all day. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I still plan on doing shows. It'll be late probably. I'm gonna go through the rest of this bill. So it's this week. This is gonna be this is gonna be the theme. What at what a real deal holy field. Parental rights and childhood preservation act, what they what it looks like. And it pumps me up thinking about Kentucky doing it, being on the forefront, setting the tone, baby. So, again, appreciate all y'all for listening. Hope it was uh, entertaining and informative. It's always the goal. And even if you're from another state, chances are, actually, I know your state doesn't have this in place. So anything like this. So take notes. If you if you if you want if you want to look at it doing something like this in your own state, reach out to me. All right. JRMC at way too much media.com. Email me. Most people make my anybody's got myself, somebody else wants it, give it to them. Appreciate all y'all for listening. Watching. Appreciate your time and attention. I said before, I hope everybody had a had a Merry Christmas and a happy new year. But man, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back in the trenches. I love this stuff. So let's let's, let's go to battle. This is way too much share MC. We'll talk to you soon.